0: to another sermon podcast presented by Chelsea Presbyterian Church located in Chelsea Alabama we value community fellowship and love for people from all walks of life for more information find us online at www.chelseaprez.org or check us out on Facebook if you have your Bibles you can turn to Galatians chapter 3 we're going to look at 15 through 22 if you do not have your Bibles uh, then all you got to do is look in the order of worship. And we have that as usual. So here we are in the middle of our sermon series through Galatians. We've discussed a lot of topics so far. Uh, we've talked about the fact that we're all lawbreakers. Uh, we talked about the idea that we can't save ourselves. Uh, we've talked about the idea that our only hope that we have is in the faith that Jesus did by following the law and dying on our behalf. But now if you've been following Paul, you might have a, a question Similar to what he's about to discuss, and that is this, if our relationship, think about this, if our relationship with God has nothing to do with the law, nothing to do with the commandments, then why did he give them in the first place? Like the Ten Commandments, if they can't save us, then what role do they play? I'm glad you ask? Uh, so let's get back into Paul's conversation in Galatians this week, and let's get some answers here in our passage. Uh, so we're looking at Galatians 3, 15 through 22. It says, to give a human example, so Paul started with a human example. He's like, think about this, brothers. Even with a man-made covenant, no one annuls or adds to it once it's been ratified. When you think of covenant, think about a promise or a contract. Now the promises that were made to Abraham and his offspring, it does not say to his offsprings. Referring to many, but they're referring to one and two-year-old offspring, which is Christ. This is what I mean. The law which came 430 years afterwards, meaning after Abraham, does not annul a covenant previously ratified by God, so to make the promise void. For if the inheritance comes by the law, it's no longer by, come by promise, but God gave it to Abraham by a promise. So here's the question, right? Why then, the law? It was added because of transgressions until the offspring could come to whom the promise had been made and it was put in place through angels by the intermediary. Now, intermediary implies that there's more than one, but God is one. Now, uh, verse 21. Is the law then contrary to the promises of God? Certainly not. For the law had been given it could give, and it could give life, then the righteousness would, also, would be indeed by the law. But the scripture imprisoned everything under sin so that the promise of faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Father God, bless this time together. Uh, give us wisdom here. Uh, there's a lot of words in here that can be confusing or even hard to follow this uh, argument of Paul's a little bit bring clarity to your scripture today in Jesus name Amen Uh, don't get too bogged down if you if you got lost in this passage because uh, Paul is making a very logical argument here and we're going to talk about what that means uh, as we go through we're all familiar with contracts Uh, the idea in some way that you enter into agreements or an agreement we sign contracts when we buy houses or maybe sometimes when we buy cars, we use them at work, any other areas. Uh, I remember when I was in private schooling even the kids would take, uh, would would have contracts sometimes in certain schools that I have that they were going to abide by certain rules uh, and, and wear certain clothes in, in certain ways. Welcome to the world of private schooling. But uh, last week uh, a friend of mine mentioned this and this was um, Interesting to me. He, he said he was skittish. He, he doesn't enter into financial agreements uh, with with uh, his family. And he said even his friends, when he does, even then, he makes them sign the same contracts as every other people that he would, stranger anybody in his life. Now, it struck me as interesting, but it also, when we think about it, is understandable. Why? Let me explain it like this. Last year, as many of you know, I officiated my own daughter's wedding. But I made my daughter, like everyone else, take vows in marriage and make a covenant with her husband. And I asked him to do the same. Now, obviously, we know them well. We love them. And my wife and I are really not in any way worried about their relationship. So why would I ask her? And why would I ask my son-in-law to take an oath if I do them that well? I mean, you can be, think about it, even in our church, we do this. When you become a member of our church, you take a vow. You take an oath at our church to, uh, as you become a, a member of our church. You can be my best friend in the world and I'm still gonna obligate you to take a vow to, to the congregation and before God. So what's the point? The point is this. The point of agreements and contracts and vows and oaths and all these things result of me not knowing my own heart and knowing the heart of others. Essentially, we do this because there's a lack of trust. We need a reminder that we are selfish people. We need a reminder of what we're really committed to and what that means to be committed to things. We're all human and we get that in the room today. And so does God. And that's the starting point of this conversation that Paul's entering today. Let's look at the the example that he talks about. And you can see uh, in the sermon outline we're going to talk about the example, the law, and then the promise. Paul says, let me give you a human example here. Even with man-made covenants, no one annuls or adds to it once it's been ratified. Now the promises were made to Abraham and his offspring. It does not say to offsprings, referring to many but one. And your offspring, who is Christ. And this is what I mean. He said the law, which came 430 years afterwards, talking about after his promise to Abraham, does not annul the covenant previously ratified by God. Think about it. Abraham was given a promise. 430 years later, 430 years later, Moses was given the law, and God is saying it doesn't ratify the promises that were given to Abraham in any way. I heard a story one time where a guy was applying for a job, and the supervisor said, Wait, 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 I'm looking at your resume here, and you had a five-year contract with this company, but after four years, you left. Can you explain that? And the guy said, yeah. It has something to do with what my boss said. And the supervisor during the interview said, what did your boss say that nullified the contract? And the guy replied, he said, you're fired. Now, we all, for the most part, know how contracts work. It outlines the rights and the responsibilities and the obligations that both parties have to sign it. it. You can nullify a contract by not doing what you're asked to do in that contract. It's an effective agreement. It says, here's what both parties, the duties that they have. Now, why are we talking about this? Why is Paul talking about contracts and, and all of these things in this way? Well, Paul gets it in the same way that we do. He's asking to think about this. Once an agreement, a contract is set and signed, and no one comes back and says, you know what, I didn't really mean it when we signed it. Let's Let's just pretend it didn't happen. He's like, you no, know, no, even in human terms, we know that contracts are binding. But then he reminds us that God, in his word in the Bible, made an agreement. So what's this whole agreement, the promise, the covenant about? What, what, what's, he talk, what's he pointing back to? He's saying God made a promise, a covenant, a contract to Abraham even before their law. And so what was it? And that was that Abraham and his descendants would receive the full rights to be sons and daughters of God in the same way that the Son of God did being in having the inheritance that he would, he would receive. That all of those who have faith in God and the provision for Jesus Christ would be a part of his household forever. That was the promise. That we come to, uh, into his household the same way that Abraham did. And It applies to you and me and everyone in this room. What's the promise? What's the promise that God's talking about? The contract that he made with you and I was this. That has no conditions, it's not based on law, that everyone believes in the promises of God will be saved. That's it. So what are the promises of God? We're going to talk about that in just a moment. In verse 18, Paul says, God gave it to Abraham by a promise. And Paul's saying, if God made unbreakable promises to Abraham and his descendants the promise is based on faith and trust. God hasn't changed the terms of the, of the promise. Stating this, if humans honor the contract they, they made in the beginning, don't you think God will? Now, we've been talking about this for several weeks. It's not about following God's law, but by faith. If you've been thinking about this at all, this comes down to the, the point that, of the sermon today. Uh, that we're, and that is, what's the point of the laws in the Bible like the Ten Commandments? Why would God give the commandments? Why would he say, thou shalt not kill, if they can't save us, if they can't help us, if they don't help us find favor with God? Then why did he give it in the first place? Well, let's look at the second point, the law. Uh, In verse 19, he says, why then the law? It was given because of transgressions to the offspring should come to those the promise had been made. And it was put in place by angels, by intermediary." And intermediate place implies, implies more than one, but God is one. So here we are. Let's talk about this. What's the point of the law? Recently, I had a spot uh, right on my head that was bothering me. By the way, if any of you ever noticed that spot that was bothering me, um, thanks for not telling me because I would have been subconscious about it. So thank you for that. But. At some point, I was like, what is this bothering me so bad? It's kind of behind my hair. Finally, one day I raised it up and looked in the mirror, and I figured out what it was, identified what it was, and then I took whatever uh, precautions I needed to do to make sure that it's not there anymore. Well, this is one of the reasons that God gave the law. He knew our hearts, that we needed a mirror to identify things in our life that we would not see otherwise. So the first role... That the law serves is not to save us but we need reminders again and again of, of, of where we fell what we do wrong um, and we look at the law of God it reveals things about ourselves it's like a mirror that we keep going back to we go back to it every day we don't look in a mirror one time uh, and, and say all right we're good for a week like daily God is calling us to look at his law, to look at his commandments and say, where do we need help here? Where are we getting it wrong? So we can look to God for the dependence of that. We would never know some of the things in our life are wrong unless we knew what God was telling us, and that is what's normal and right in the first place. Another way that the law helps us is this, if you think about it, really two ways. First of all, we need to see our need for grace, we just talked about. You know, once I realize, like, I, these are the things I'm bad at, and I realize like these are habits I can't break on my own. I need the grace of God and dependence upon that. But the other thing too is to know how to use that grace. So grace is the thing that we have first that helps us out of not being in despair when we see all the things that we get wrong, because we know God's going to give us the grace to help us with that, and that's the only hope that we have to be right with Him. The second thing is we're, we're ten- we have a tendency to take advantage of grace. We're, we do this with freedom all the time. And what I mean by that is, not only do we need to learn that we can't do it on our own, when we're released from sin in our life, when we can experience that true freedom, we might misuse it, thinking that we can do whatever we want now. But the, the, the law gives us these guardrails of saying, there's things that, that, that are not good for you, things that are not healthy for you, things that are not healthy for the relationship that you have. You've got to have those in your life so that you don't use it freedom to exploit other people and Paul will talk more about that later and this is all helpful to view in the law we want to look like it's a mirror to show us that it shows us our need for grace it also keeps us from exploiting that freedom but there's one more point that's better than any of those which is the main point of what the law and the promise uh, that that God really points to and concerning the commandments. so look at the last point here the promise Verse 21 says, is the law contrary to the promises of God? Certainly not. If the law had been given, give life, then righteousness would be indeed by the law. I mean, basically, if we could follow the law and have life, then we wouldn't need righteousness. We, the righteousness would be from the law. We wouldn't need Jesus. Amen. I but, it says, Scripture imprisons impris- impris- everything under the sin so that the promise of faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. So the ultimate question is this today. Is the law of God opposed to his promises that we're saved by faith? And Paul says, certainly not. No. Here's why. Think about it. The heart of God has never changed. The law was given to lead us where God wanted us in the first place. Not to be good moral people. That's not where he wanted us to be in the first place, ultimately. But to him in a relationship with him. Does he want us to to follow his commandments? Yes, but the law is to point us to him ultimately through the rules and the commandments and the laws to the heart of God that's never changed. The commandments are not made to shame us. Or or maybe you've been a part of churches that, that have used the commandments and the law to shame you or to guilt you in something. They're not made to have us wallow in guilt for what we've done and not done. Not at all god wants us to understand just this fact that we need him we can't do it for ourselves we can't trust ourselves and others god knows that he's just saying trust in him as a good father that he uh, is and, and who he the good father that he is and to understand that he in all his mercy and grace and love is here for us to trust he Trust him to the point where he has done everything to the point of sacrificing his own son to bring you and me into a relationship, into a friendship, into a household of his family. See, let me say this again. The law of God never changed. The person of God never changed. His plan of salvation never changed. People didn't get saved a certain way before Abraham, during Abraham, after Abraham than they did after Jesus came. They were saved exactly the same way, and that's through having faith that God was gonna make a provision in a way that we could not make for ourselves. But there was a process to get us to change, to stop depending on ourselves, to see that we're in bondage and we need freedom, make us desperate for God's love. The law is playing that role as much as anything else in our lives. We needed God's promise of rescue through Jesus. This is where Paul saying that law and faith meet. Now, we've hit this in a broad way today. Paul's going to get more specific about this as we go on. See, faith fulfilled the law. Faith in Jesus and God's provision filled the law because Jesus fulfilled the law. We break our promises to one another. We break our promises to God almost daily, probably every day but God never breaks his promises to us. The contract was not on us, it was on him. Throughout history, God showed that he is the same in the past, present, and future, and he is always trustworthy. And that's why nothing could be more foolish for us to trust ourselves or not trust in the promises of God. Yes, one of the points of the law is to point out our sin, but the most important point of the law point is to Jesus. Let's pray. Well, thank you for your promises. Uh, thank you for your law. Um, or just uh, There's so many times in the Bible that um, people talk about how they delight in your law and your commandments. And for so long, I've looked at those like, how can anybody delight in the thou shalt nots in the Bible? Until I begin to realize that all of these things are pointing to you and the heart of who you are. And that's where you want us to find your delight. Help us to be reminded that we need your law. We need your commandments to point out our sin as a mirror to keep us from running off the guardrails of misusing your grace. But ultimately, we need it to point to you. And Lord, help us to remember that, develop a relationship with you, and to read even the laws in the Bible as an opportunity to get to know you more in your heart as a loving good father in Jesus name amen we hope you've enjoyed today's sermon we want to remind our listeners that our doors are always open at chelsea presbyterian church and we invite all our listeners to join us for worship you can visit us at 10:30 on sunday mornings at chelsea middle school to hear more of our sermons from our church or for more information you can find us online at www.chelseapres.org or check us out on facebook